Hello, hello. Welcome to the sound of the start of the penultimate weekend of the EFL regular season. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. We're sponsored by Betfair and we are Ali Maxwell and George Ellick. We're going to be making betting picks ahead of a pretty exciting slate of EFL action. Just two weekends left of this show. Uh, Because this podcast is about betting and we will be making betting picks uh, and because gambling comes with significant risks, we want to make sure that everyone listening is gamble aware. This show is also very strictly for over 18s only. So head to begambleaware.org to understand or brush up on the risks that come uh, with betting, such as never, ever betting more than you can afford to lose, never chasing your losses, Hello, my friend. How are you? I am fine. I am fine too. Thank you very much. Looking forward to talking to you on the podcast. The EFL newsletter by NTT20 weekend preview with the big six. That's George and I going through the two biggest fixtures from all three of the EFL's divisions, uh, from each of the three EFL divisions, I should say, uh, in written form. It's also a little bonus podcast extra where actually the main theme of that pod so far has been me and you just sort of bickering like an old Mm. married couple. Or, our, or a pair of siblings, perhaps. We're not siblings, but we are pod brothers, betting show brothers. And last week, the results look kind of ugly because there's a lot of red on my spreadsheet. Only three winning picks out of 10 combined. Your nap, Salford, my nap, Ipswich and over 1.5 goals. My lay of West Brom was also a good thing, 2.02. So three winning picks out of 10 isn't great. The fact that both were, but well, we both won our naps means there wasn't too much damage. I was just one point up overall uh, because of that. And you were minus 1.48. So two weekends of full slateness to come to try and finish on a high. George, what's your best bet of the weekend? What's your nap? Uh, listeners to the show um, for se- of seasons gone by will know that Normally, about this stage of the season, my betting strategy is to try and pinpoint areas where the market has moved miles in the direction of the team who have something to play for and I always think maybe has gone a bit too far and try and pick up the pieces at the other side. But this season, I don't know why. I think there might be a few reasons for this. I think I've been stung a little bit in midweek trying to do exactly that and coming up short, I think, witnessing the with my own eyeballs, the Oxford United 4, Cheltenham Town nil game has made me think, or just, you know, just reinforced the point that actually, even though Cheltenham Town have been a much better football team than Oxford over the last season or so, um, the team with something to play for in that game looked like, uh, you mean, just miles clear of the team with very little to play for. And there was a very little fight from Cheltenham once they went one nil down to get back into it. I still, I still definitely think there's something in that. And I looked, and there's a couple, you know, I'll get on to... Well, actually, even my lay isn't really alongside that. Anyway, um, but what I've 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 kind of tried to do more of today, and they're still quite big prices, is basically see areas where uh, maybe that's been hasn't been factored in necessarily. And in my mind, we have got a game where one team have a real uh, need to win and the other don't, and yet that's not reflected in the prices. And my nap, therefore. Is Hartlepool to beat Barrow at 15 to 8? Um, I can't really work out, given when you look across the EFL slate this weekend, basically any game, any match with something on it, any team with something to play for is disproportionately short to where they should be, especially if they're playing against a side who um, have nothing to play for. And that's understandable. Yet we get to Hartlepool versus Barrow, and Barrow are like six to four favourites, despite. You know, even though the overwhelming likelihood is that um, they're going to get relegated, Hartlepool know that if they win their two games, 
and if Crawley lose their two games, especially, you know, with needing to, you know, if, if they were to win both their games 1-0 and Crawley lost both theirs 1-0, they would they would still get relegated. But if they were to win by a couple of goals in their two games and Crawley lose both of theirs, they will still stay up. And they'll also know that if they can just win on Saturday and Crawley lose, then they'll go into final day, a game away at Stockport, not an easy one at all, but a game going into final day knowing that there is a possibility that if they can get another three points, they could stay up. In my mind, there is a massive, massive incentive for Hartlepool to win this game. There, there is still a chance of survival, even though it'll be difficult for them to bounce back from losing 2-0 at home to, to Crawley. Uh, and whilst that form doesn't look great, I still think that Crawley right now and have been for the last few weeks are playing pretty well. And there's no massive shame in that. And in my mind, Crawley are right now a better team than a Barrow side who are not have nothing to play for, who have been on the beach for a while now um, and showed in their last, you know, they haven't scored in their last three games against Swindon, Grimsby and Carlisle. Um, you know, they were beaten 3-0 away from home at Crewe. And even though Barrow have had a great season under Pete Wilde, in my mind, if you look at the, you know, the way that their results have, have, have landed so far this season, away from home against teams outside the top 10, they've only won three of them. Uh, those came against Newport, Walsall and AFC Wimbledon. They've lost loads. I mean, they lost on the road to Rochdale, which, you know, bottom of the table. They lost on the road to Crawley. They lost on the road to Harrogate. They lost on the road to Crewe, as I mentioned. Donny, Grimsby, Sutton, Tranmere. Like, their away form is not good. Their bread and butter has been home games against the poorer teams in the division where they've been rampant. But on the road, not at all. I, I can't work out why Barrow would be favourites for this game, even if this was like back in February with a bit riding on it and the rest of it, because Hartlepool's recent form, as we know, under Askey before the, the, the run of three defeats was so good. You know, they went on a, on a huge unbeaten run of what, seven or eight games. Um, I think we can forgive them for their two defeats at Salford and Newport, given the, the strength and form of those sides. So if you're looking at purely their home games recently, before that, 2-0 defeat to Crawley. It's a, a one-all draw with Stevenage, a 2-1 win at home to, to Swindon, a one-all draw at home to Champions Orient where they hit the woodwork twice in the last minute, a one-all draw at home to soon-to-be-promoted Northampton. Yeah, so it, I think Hartlepool would be a bet at 15-8 anyway. I think the, the incentive is still massively there. I just can't wrap my head around why that isn't being reflected in the prices uh, and they're my nap. I reckon that's one of your strongest ever Thank justifications or showing your working, or thoughts. I was making it uh, up as I went along. Especially as I'm pretty sure I'd had a look at backing Barrow myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't go for it. Otherwise, I'd be frantically tearing apart my own notes and trying to find another pick. Um, but uh, I think I think the one thing that I looked at that game for was the potential for it to really unravel if... Barrow go ahead like if they do score first the sort of reality of Hartlepool's like intense stretching for something being basically futile and their their understanding that they'll be going down to the National League I mean their chairman's already put the club up for sale basically saying like yeah sorry I've taken you down lads my bad um anyway my nap what's your nap Ali well regular listeners of the show know that Two things about the end of the season. They know that you like to look for what was it again? Like times where it's, it's motivation's been factored in too far. Yeah. Even though this year you've kind of gone the other way, but then you're kind of doing that, and then we haven't quite worked that out. I want to know exactly how you're doing it yet. 
Well, regular long-term listeners of this show know that final day is my favourite punting day of the season. And the reason I love it so much is for what I tend to generally title fun in the sun. Uh, It's the weekend in the season, the one weekend in a long season where the sport of football in the EFL is completely different to every other weekend or basically every other weekend. Does it matter that it's unseasonably cold? Uh, Well, have you looked? I haven't actually looked at the forecast for next weekend, but... Saturday's all right. Yeah, I mean, it actually, I think it kind of does matter, which is a bit of a blow, but we'll see. We'll see. But what I love about this is that the sport is completely different to every other weekend, and it's entirely for psychological reasons. It's not for anything technical. The sport is exactly the same. The players are exactly the same. The clubs are exactly the same as they are in the other 44, 45 game weeks. It's just a psychological thing. It's just a situational, circumstantial thing. And I love that. And it makes me bet differently it makes me swing for the fences on final day I always make selections in only three markets and that is over 4.5 goals in a game minus two handicaps being covered and players to score a hat trick and the last two years through mostly luck probably it's actually gone quite well and we've had loads of fun doing it and I've got some decent stats to back it up and this time next week I will run through the stats a little heavier but I'm basically going to have a rehearsal this week on the show so I'm going to pick a normal nap and then to warm up for next weekend but so as not to dampen the excitement I'm going to pick a minus one and over 3.5 goals and someone to score a brace you're kind of going halfway there (laughs) yeah exactly exactly that's exactly it I should have just said that and it would have taken a minute less. Uh, Story of my life. Uh, My nap, George, is uh, Swindon Town to beat Crew Alexandra um, at 31 to 20, 2.55 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And yeah, it feels a bit random and I'm a bit surprised, but I I like it the more I think about it. Swindon, it felt like they were kind of nosediving to end the season, like really spiralling and, and nothing good was coming from Swindon Town for a couple of months. And then the win at Wimbledon, who were in a similar position, 5-1 win the other week. And then a good win at home to Bradford. And although they did lose to Stevenage in midweek, a game in which they played pretty well, felt like they deserved probably one penalty in that game. It, it definitely wasn't a one-sided affair. I think a bit more sanity has been restored. I think Jody Morris has probably gained a bit of confidence from the last few weeks. I think some of the players look to be playing a little bit better. And look, the story of Swindon's season will be told with a bit of anger and a bit of apathy because they've not been the top seven team that the fans wanted them to be. But they're still definitely better than the worst teams in the division. And I think the way that they play, which is technical and play through the thirds and heavy possession based and um, based on skill rather than physicality. Like it hasn't worked for them that well this season, to be honest, not as well as it did last season. But I think that style makes them more. I think it lends itself more to these sorts of fun in the sun, unimportant games at the end of the season. I see them basically as a bit of a flimsy team that aren't great and haven't been great under pressure, haven't been great under the pressure of playing at home under an expectant home crowd that sometimes don't enjoy watching that style of play. But they are coached quite well to play technical attacking possession-based football. And I think away from home is where they have a bit more fun doing so because generally they're going to have a little bit more space. Teams don't sit off as quite as much. The issue for Swindon is they've got injuries at the back, Big injuries at the back. But that's been the case for a few weeks now. I still think they're interesting and and competent enough going forward to hurt a crew Alex side that I'm afraid I still think are just a really bad team. They've had very literally a mixed 
last month or so because in their last six games they've won three and lost three now nine points from six games isn't actually that bad in the context of their season and how how poor their points return has been at other times so they might be feeling a little bit positive about the fact fact they've won three of their last six games but if I'm analyzing those six games as a group I think the strongest signal that you pull out of it is basically poor performances (laughs) like one of their wins was against Doncaster fair enough but it's Doncaster uh, one of their wins was against a, a miserable Walsall team. They scored their first two shots uh, and won 2-0. Against Barrow, they scored two of their first three shots and both were penalties and they won that game, I think it was 3-0. These results looked great on paper, but these aren't things that I look at and think like, yes, that is something I can consistently rely on and get behind. They've The games they've lost, well, Grimsby in midweek, they went behind early. They had a bit of a go in the second half, but ultimately conceded a second and lost 2-0. The defeats to Leighton Orient and to Colchester United, who they lost 4-0 against, were honking performances. And I think more of the rule than the exception recently. They're barely able to get near the opposition goal. They're not very creative in open play. And the worst thing for them at the moment is their goalkeeper situation is an absolute mess. Beadle, the the talented Loney, is injured, out for the season, which means another 10 days. Um, And Dave Richards came in had a poor game against Orient, got dropped. So it was an 18-year-old academy kid, Tom Booth, in goal against Grimsby. He did fine, but I wouldn't want to be... Yeah, I'm happy to be backing against a team with an academy kid in goal. Let's put it that way. So, uh, yeah, I like the price. Swindon, I I probably prefer them playing away from home than, than at home. And Crew, I just don't think are as good as recent results suggest. So that's my nap. Swindon to beat Crew, 2.55, with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next, best. To the championship for my next best. And I am putting up... Bristol City to beat Burnley at 13 to 5. Um, another one where, I mean, this is a bit different. Where, I mean, I think this is kind of perceived to be a game between two sides with little to play for, and therefore Burnley are even money favourite um, because they're the better team. But I disagree. I think that Burnley have been edging towards the beach for a matter of weeks now, uh, basically since they confirm their promotion to the Premier League. Um, they've been a shadow of their former selves uh, and kind of limped over the line thanks to another unbelievable goal uh, from Manuel Benson in the midweek against Blackburn. Um, but we saw them draw nil-nil against Reading and not really be particularly deserving of anything more than that. Um, we saw them draw two all at Brotherham, squandering a lead twice, uh, beaten at home by QPR, even though they were good in the first half, like a really weird second half performance against probably the worst team in the division on form. And then, yes, they beat Blackburn 1-0, but apart from that Benson strike, they were second best basically throughout, especially in the first half. Um, This is a Burnley side who, in my mind, are playing way, way below um, where we had them, where we'd seen them and the reason why they're champions. And I think they're perfectly entitled to to drop another notch notch lower. There's precedent already to know that this is a side who have lost their motivation and the performance levels have already dropped. Now that they are champions and they're confirmed champions and they were confirmed champions on Tuesday night and, you know, I don't want to point fingers, but I'd assume that there were some celebrations that were had after that in midweek. An away trip down to, you know, the Southwest in Bristol probably isn't the dream. I can imagine the players aren't that up for this. And I think this is a really good opportunity for a Bristol City side who I've been really impressed with in recent weeks to get a decent scalp, basically. I think they'll be bang up for this. I mean, there's no reason for, for Bristol City not to, to be keen. You know, you look at their 
some of their recent performances, um, especially the you know the win which we saw them get against Rotherham last time, where they played against a side at home who needed the three points or needed at least a point, and Andy Vyman was able to score very late on to get the win. Um, if you're looking at the kind of xG ratio tables since uh, the January transfer window finished, so with these squads, they rank in the top six or seven um, under Nigel Pearson. You know, after that terrible run at the turn of the year, they've been a way way better team. Um, and I think part of that is because they've got plenty of attacking players in form. You know, the addition of Cornick has been good. Um, we've seen Bell play well. Conway back in form. Wells still leading the line really well, even if his goal scoring is right up a bit. Vyman back in the goals. They've got so many options up front. Um, and I think that if Burnley aren't at it, as they haven't been recently, then there's, there's absolutely no reason why Bristol City can't can't capitalise on that. So 13-5, to five, like bigger than 5-2 to two about them to, to win this one. When, you know... A, in terms of team selection, we've seen company rest players and play weakened teams. And B, we've seen a massive drop-off in performance. Like, I'm I'm really surprised that we're getting that kind of a price about the home side. With my overs hat on, that one was absolutely winking mm. at me. Just like Burnley on the beers, Bristol City on the cider, <laughs> Burnley score loads of goals, Bristol City love attacking, don't love defending, albeit... Take a look at Bristol City's defensive numbers recently. They are certainly interesting heading into the summer. Has Nigel Pearson cracked it? Even with a back four, including like random fullbacks playing centre-back and whatnot. Maybe. Like Pep. If it's good enough for Pep, it's good enough for Pearson. Pep Pearson. For Nigel. Next best is my minus one selection. Every single word I say, George, in the next two minutes is going to be absolutely hated by the green part of Devon. Oh, careful. Because I'm backing... Plymouth Argyle minus one at 2.2, six to five to beat Burton Albion. And that's because I think the hard work is done. People might call me crazy, but I think the hard work is done. And I think these games go only one way. I think more often than not on these occasions, it is likely that the impending promotion which will be one of the great EFL achievements in the modern era gets confirmed at a canter in the sun in front of a carnival atmosphere I think Argyle cut loose here against Burton I think they score three or more I'm happy to back them minus one six to five I also think Burton are quite a good opponent for this scenario in that while they are a bit of a threat and certainly not relegation fodder, they are not very solid, not particularly stubborn, quite the opposite of that. They're pretty gung-ho. They they throw the ball forward. They throw men forward. They don't, de- they don't uh, defend very well. They've conceded over two goals a game away from home uh, this season. And also in midweek, they beat Lincoln away from home and they celebrated the fact that they had stayed up mathematically, their own incredibly impressive feat. A a survival from a position of having one point from eight league games, from having four points from ten, and Burton are safe with ten days left of the season. I think, again, that could come with just a little bit of pat yourselves on the back, enjoy the next ten days. You can stop striving, you can stop just absolutely throwing everything at it. Um, and I think they've earned that right. So that's just how I see it. I'm never that comfortable, to be honest, with like psychological matters. I don't think I'm an expert on this stuff. And I think that the 
discussion of psychology and football is such a huge part of the discussion and analysis of football in a way that I, I don't really like, to be honest, because I think it's just rife with issues and bias. I think sometimes it can be a bit of a cop-out, and I think sometimes in punditry and analysis, and I'm not talking about this specific uh, show or this week, but in general, I think it can be used as like basically a lazy or easy option so as to not actually do a huge amount of thinking or research of your own and, you know, measure things or work things out for yourself. Anyway, I digress. I think... After 19 home wins in 22 home games this season, 11 of the 22 home games have been a win covering the minus one, including, crucially, seven times in 11 fixtures against the bottom half. I think this is another one. I think Argyle win promotion and cover the minus one handicap, as has happened all season at home park. I think great football will be played in front of an insane home crowd. I think it all distills for, for 90 minutes and they win handily. So there you go. You, you looked Can I speak for everybody who has backed um, Plymouth Argyle to win the title and say, I can't believe you've just done that. I'm doing that thing that we hate. You've cursed us. You've <laughs> cursed us. It's your fault. You did look genuinely anguished throughout that. Um, Betfair's bet builder allows you to combine selections. Easy. I'm delighted because I, I think you're a great judge. Betfair's bet builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. And with Betfair's popular bet builder, you can easily add the trending football league bet builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. Download the Betfair Sportsbook app. Uh, click on the football section and you'll find the popular bet builders at the top of the page there. We're going to use the Betfair exchange. Now, George, we are the bookies putting up a lay. I'm laying Bolton home to Fleetwood at 1.59. Um, yeah, I, I think Bolton have been... It's so weird when you think the the EFL Trophy final, and you think of Bolton beating Argyle four nil, where like all the form either side of that game has Bolton looking like a, a bit of a shadow of the team they were earlier in the season, and Argyle have been, you know, barring the the Lincoln uh, loss at home, they've been have been very good, but there's been, in my mind at least a big drop-off in terms of um, Bolton's performances recently. And I know that that loss to Accrington was came at the end of a, a six-match unbeaten run. When you look, when you kind of delve into that unbeaten run, it was three wins by a one-goal margin, a 1-0 win over Shrewsbury, a 1-0 win away at Oxford, where Oxford's, you know, I was at the game and, and on balance of play, I think a draw at least would have been a fair result and a 1-0 win against Exeter. You then got three draws. Sheffield Wednesday, you know, that's a fine result, of course. But then at home to Cambridge and away at Burton. Um, like, in a way, I think that defeat against Accrington was kind of coming where if you are consistently playing games of football where you're not significantly the better side and it's kind of marginal, that's not really a sustainable way to, to continue a um, an, an unbeaten run of form. And I think in, in Fleetwood, they've got a really awkward opponent here because Fleetwood have... There's precedent, basically, for Fleetwood being a, a side who are playing quite well at the moment, basically. You know, they went to Accrington in a game again where Accrington were the team who who needed points and beat them 5-2. We saw them beat MK 1-0 again, MK a team that need points um, recently. Uh, this season, away from home, we've seen them go to to Derby and win in March, seen them go to Peterborough and win. So they, you know, and, and they didn't lose to either of the top two in Argyle and Ipswich uh, away from home. So... You know they're, they're a pretty tough nut to crack, and for for Bolton not basically playing at their best, with the pressure being massively ramped on them, 
after you know being in the the best position in that little mini league between them, Derby and Peterborough, to blow a home game against a relegation side suddenly means that they are the team that have to react. There's obviously a physical side to this as well, where um, Fleet would come into the game having not played in midweek, but uh, you know Bolton have. That always is, is something to factor in. So at nearly two on, this is the one where I, I do think um, my normal, uh, yeah, my, my normal means of, of looking at these games does apply. Where um, there seems to be a suggestion here that Fleetwood aren't going to turn up, but I haven't seen anything in their performances to suggest that, and I've seen plenty in Bolton's to think that they're that they're undercooked right now. So um, yeah, Bolton on my lay. Yeah, and because I hate the psychological analysis of football and I think I'm very bad at it, I'm going to use that as the basis for my lay. Um, (laughs) I thought about laying Mansfield and Stevenage at pretty short prices in League 2 just because I think both of them could be a bit wobbly here. I haven't been that impressed. Well, I haven't been impressed at all with Stevenage's recent performances. I think they're limping over the line if they do get the win that takes them over the line, basically playing like a sort of mid-table bottom half team. Um, Whereas Mansfield they're kind of different in that sometimes they play like a top three team and often they play like a bottom half team and I can never really choose and and guess which one's which. So uh, I'm leaving them and I'm going to lay a team who I think might have half their brain already in Las Vegas. And that's Sheffield United Football Club. The Blades promoted on Wednesday night after beating West Brom and Jabby and I've laid them at 1.89 at home to North End. Clearly, if it was a normal game three weeks ago, they'd be shorter than 1.89 anyway. So I recognise that this has already been somewhat baked into the price on the exchange. But I'm happy to go for the pick regardless, just down to my my own perception of motivation, um, focus and desire and concentration. Yeah, just the willingness to, to go the extra yard, to put in that extra run. That's what Sheffield United have had in spades all season. And maybe it is so inherent and so repeatable that even if they are a little bit dusty after a few days celebrating, it still comes through in their performance. We will see. I've seen social media pictures today of their players, or some of them anyway, uh, the usual suspects out until the very, very early hours, the middle hours of the morning. Um, And look, we've had this discussion so many times before. We don't know for sure how much it slows players down and teams down. Sometimes the teams that have secured promotion or the title keep winning. Look at Leighton Orient recently. Sometimes they don't. And I just think after months and months of big pressure and big performances and big occasions, they can chill. Genuinely, they can chill. They don't need to they don't need to pretend that they want to win the title because they can't. They've already won promotion. And North End still have plenty to strive for. And they are an awkward opponent. Uh, yes, the last week or so hasn't been amazing for them. But in the last 12 games in total, they've got the fifth best points return in the championship. Difficult to score against. And with Cannon on the break in particular, they've got a goal threat. Um, and I just think if they put in one of their better performances, they should be that should be enough to avoid defeat at the very least at a Bramall Lane that will be... Um, focused on on well celebrating basically so there you go uh, goals pick please yeah this is a strong one as you can tell I, I quite like my picks this week uh, Ipswich to score over two and a half goals as eleven to ten um, at home to Exeter now this is a game where Ipswich are I got stung by this the other day when they beat Port Vale two one <clears throat> but this is a game where Ipswich can if they win um, you know secure their promotion back to the championship and when we have a look at their home games it is ridiculous the run you know they haven't had a home game since I last put this up but you know before the Port Vale game we had the six against Charlton the four against Wickham the two against Shrewsbury the three against Accrington the four against Burton the four against Forest Green four against Morecambe like it's just relentless goal scoring and 
since that game against um, Port Vale, we've seen them go to Peterborough, an unbelievably good home side, win 3-0. We've seen them go to Barnsley, an even better home side, and win 3-0. There's some... Um, in you know, there's some talk that the the target of the Sipsprit side is is to hit a hundred goals, and I think if that is true, and that's something that Kieran McKenna is trying to translate to his players, it's a very smart thing to do. It's a way of, of guarding against complacency. It's a way of setting a target that isn't just win this game. It's a way of keeping his players at it, and I can see why as players and as a squad you would be galvanised to try and do that. Um, and I can see them doing it because they've got two games now. Um, in order to score seven goals to reach reach 100. And we know this is a side who, who continue to pour men forward at any opportunity up against an extra team who, again, are a side who, if you're looking at, at sides who enjoy you know, their time on the beach and those who don't, I mean, Exeter have lost five consecutive games. They conceded three against, against Peterborough, so there's precedence for this. That's gone under my radar, that. Five straight defeats. Five straight defeats, yeah. And, and, when you, and when you consider the ridiculous array of att- attacking talent where... You've got Connor Chaplin, who's the form player in the league. But then you've also got Hurst, Broadhead and Ladapo, who are all in brilliant goal-scoring form. If you've got four strikers in, in good goal-scoring form, that says quite a lot about how well your team are playing right now. Um, I, I'll be backing over two and a half, over three and a half, over four and a half. In fact, I already have. And um, yeah, I think anything... In my mind, this is a like a significant odds-on shot. It's one of those where it's never going to be odds-on. It's never going to be the price it should be because the goal line would have to be so high to allow it to be um so you're never gonna you know you're never gonna get Ipswich score over two and a half goals to be I don't know four to seven because then they would have to be about 10 on to win the game they are um, they almost are <laughs> well they're six they're, they're, yeah they're six on I mean it takes a long it takes a long way to get down from from six on to ten on um but yeah I, th- I think this should be heavy odds on so yeah o- over two and a half at, at uh over two and a half Ipswich goals at 11 to 10 Let's have some fun in the week, son, shall we? Um, the over 3.5 goals segment. Uh, it's going to be a double. And uh, I will go into detail next week on my, my sort of broad theories of the, the quote-unquote model, uh, which is very much an ironic term for uh, what I use on final day. Um, but broadly, the overs stuff comes in a few different categories, either uh, strive, then collapse, or STC. That's when uh, someone's, let's say, Ipswich or Argyle this weekend, uh, trying to get the win that they need against a team that don't really care. Um, once they go 1-0 up, the floodgates open and they score four or five. Um, then there's strive, then... Oh, no, that's, that is strive, then keep going. Strive, then collapse is generally more the other way when a team's desperately trying to stay up, uh, for example, and then when they go 1-0 down and the reality dawns on them, then they collapse and uh, the floodgates open. Now, those happen sometimes, but not as much as what we call MTF, that is mid-table fun. This is the most regular reason for an end-of-season overs party. Um, just good times, you know, uh, two teams with nothing to play for, um, no jeopardy on the game, they're not going to go down, no one really cares what happens. So why are you going to sit in a low block? Like, why are you going to slow the game down? Why are you going to waste time? Why are you going to sit back in a rare football professional fixture with nothing riding on it? You'd have to be an absolute weirdo to do that. And that's why we get a lot of MTF, a lot of mid-table fun. So there's a few opportunities this weekend. Uh, I've picked one in League One and one in League Two uh, for an over 3.5 goals double. Charlton against Port Vale uh, is 4.1. That's 31 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook, just over 3 to 1. Uh, Charlton's last six games, incredible Incredible set of results to be in a sequence. 6-0, 1-0, 3-2. 
Their last six? Super random. And they've been on the right end of some of those and the wrong end of some of those. There doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason. As for Port Vale, their uh, visitors got the win they needed last weekend, having sacked Daryl Clark, um, just to calm the fears. They weren't going to get relegated anyway, but I could see why their fats got a bit nervy. Uh, so they can just enjoy this one as well. So Charlton Vale is over 3.5 uh, goals, 31 to 10 my first leg. And then Wimbledon Tranmere, uh, this one's at 3.5, so a bit shorter. Again, Wimbledon's last four games, 2-2, 3-2, 2-1, 5-1. There's not a lot of control going on in Wimbledon games right now. Uh, for the most part, they're on the wrong side of it, but at the very least, they have maintained a goal threat themselves. I think that uh, bodes well for this. Tranmere, well, I've spoken enough about the Doors Diamond. Uh, the the level of success, uh, the level of goals scored hasn't necessarily been what I was hoping for under Dorsey, but I think they're still a good dance partner for Wimbledon here because... Again, because of the way they want to play, he's so clear that they want to attack and attack and attack, and they do move the, the ball forward very quickly. So uh, Wimbledon, Tranmere, and Charlton, Port Vale, the double is 14.35 with the Betfest Sportsbook. So just over 13 to 1. That's my goals pick. Do a goal scorer. Didzy. Hey. Didzy. Didzy, didzy. Yeah, I, um, I think, and I've said it a fair bit this season, you know, there's this whole poor and streaky side. And I do wonder if, if we're seeing that bad streak that resulted in, in Derby going from being in, um, you know, in, in automatic, the automatic promotion hunt to feasibly dropping out of the playoffs is now done. I thought they were decent um, in their last couple of games, uh, albeit kind of smaller margins of victory. But they come up against a Pompey side who I think have been poor um, in the last eight or nine. And I know that some Pompey fans having been pretty excited about John Massino. Some of the feeling has changed. I would very much urge them to, you know, wait and see what happens after a summer with your new director of football and your new head coach before making any opinions because this was a squad built by other people for other people. Um, but I, I think Derby should win this and win this comfortably. They'll be buoyed by the midweek result against um, the midweek result of, of Bolton's. Uh, and in McGoldrick, they've got a player who is bang in form. He has scored uh, six goals in his last five games. And as everybody knows, he's scored three hat-tricks this season. Um, but he also got a brace against Exeter um, the game before last. He's actually scored all of uh, Derby's last five goals in the league, which is kind of mad. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a game where Derby could easily rack up a bit of a score. And of all the teams this weekend who are a very short price to do so, you know, for example, you look at Ipswich and it's so hard to pick. And, you know, you're basically, if, if you back Hurst to score twice there and, and you and you hit <laughs> i can't help but feeling like you've kind of you've, you've just got a bit lucky and you've rolled the dice because it could be any of four basically with with derby there is just such an obvious most likely goal scorer from open play and from set pieces and it is mcgoldrick um and therefore you know it makes it a lot easier to whittle down if you think there is a team who are going to score plenty it's you know in my mind it's him he's 13 to 2 scored to score two or more goals um which is the way i'm playing this so yeah another didsy double a didsy double I have also got a player to score a double uh, as advertised he says Hurst I've literally while you were just doing that I just backed <laughs> a double of Hurst to score a double and McGoldrick to score a double <laughs> but it's not my pick okay let's hope you get lucky because if you're wanting a third selection for your double treble yeah <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have found that as funny as I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's, our... it's so funny. funny. <laughs> uh, 
every time we're just like two minutes left. Every time. Uh, it's it's our old friend, mate. It's Sam Smith to score two or more for Cambridge at Accrington. Uh, he's at 14 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook to do so. I'm going to have to put a quarter of a point on him to score three or more at 125 to 1, partly because if I'm backing him to score two or more, then it just feels rude not to. And secondly, because, I mean, there's one firm offering 33 to 1 on a Sam Smith hat trick and Betfair very much playing the game. Um, a bit more with a bit more fun at 125 to one, the best price. So I'm going to have a quarter point on that and three quarters on the 14 to one to score two or more. Uh, quick bit of betting show uh, history. Uh, week 31, I picked Sam Smith to score against MK. That's what eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago. You may remember went on a big old thing as I often do about his incredible shot volume uh, and about the fact that he had the biggest XG underperformance in the league but that he was taking a ton of shots, he was hitting the target a lot, and that the goals would come. It didn't come in that game against MK. Uh, two shots on target, no goals. In the next game against Charlton, he came off at half-time. I didn't score in that one. And at that point, you're thinking, maybe there's a defect here. Maybe there is just something inherently wrong with this football player where he plays up front, but somehow never learned how to finish. Uh, maybe my way of thinking about goal scoring and predicting future goal scoring form is stupid. And then he scored in six straight games. Scored against Port Vale, five shots. Scored against Fleetwood, four shots. Scored against Bolton, four shots. Scored against Posh, three shots. Scored against Wickham, three shots. Scored against Argyle, four shots. He's had minimum two shots on target in all six of those games. He's still underperforming his XG by a fair few goals, which is unbelievably funny. Um, he's got the second highest XG, like gross figure in the whole uh, in the whole League One behind Johnson, Clark, Harris, and. He's just an absolute threat. And finally, we can say it with evidence. Um, I also think Cambridge are better than Accrington. I think they might beat them. And I think Accrington, if they start going behind, it will be so terrible for them that they might go hell for leather and leave themselves open. In fact, they might go hell for leather anyway because that's kind of their style. So I've got them at 14 to 1 to score two or more. Uh, this is kind of the warm-up for final day. I'm going to have a quarter point on the hat-trick at 125 to 1 as well. Sam Smith of Cambridge there. George, please can you recap your selections? So, uh, Hartlepool, 15 to 8. Uh, at home to Barrow is my nap. Bristol City, 13 to 5. At home to Burnley is my next best. Uh, laying... Uh, who did I lay? Uh, Bolton, 1.59. Yeah. Over two and a half Ipswich goals, 11 to 10 is my goals bet. I think I've just realized that I never actually put the over Ipswich goals up on the betting show. I just backed it. So that's good because um, it lost uh, against Port Vale. And then McGoldrick double at 13 to 2 is my goal scorer. Playing for La Selección this week. My starting five is a nap, Swindon to beat Crew in League One at 2.5531 to 20. My next best, Plymouth Argyle to smash it, minus one at 2.2. I'm really hamming it up because I just, I'd love to see some facials of some Argyle fans, having seen what your face did when I did all that. Uh, my lay is Sheffield United uh, halfway to Vegas at 1.89. My goals pick, uh, MTF, bit of mid-table fun, over 3.5 goals in Charlton Vale and Wimbledon Tranmere at 14.35. And my goal scorer is Sam Smith of Cambridge to score two or more at 14 to one. That takes three quarters of my stake uh, and a quarter on a hat trick at 125 to one. Thank you so much to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. We've had and are still having 
the most fun season we've ever had. Uh, and a lot of that is thanks to the support of Betfair uh, with this betting show and also with the Monday pod. We hope you'll join us for the Monday pod, recapping what's going to be a pretty lively weekend in the EFL. Go well, everyone.